Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Sarah Box here. This week, you are going to love our guest. This is Doug Vermeer. And Doug is coming to us from Canada. And Doug has a lot of accomplishments in his young life. And he is both an author, a trainer, a speaker. He's come from being very young and having to learn some success skills. And most recently, he just released a book on the personal power of mastery. And I have a lot of questions for Doug. And there was also and the, some quotes that I've read of Doug's that I want to circle back to as we get in there. But Doug, before I start bombarding you with questions for our guests, what would you like to add to that very short because <laughs> you, you have wow. a, you have accomplished a lot well yeah and i guess probably the biggest thing to add is we've had fun doing it and uh for me it's not necessarily even about my journey it's about really the difference we've made with a lot of the people that we've worked with and people we've met uh, i've had a chance to meet some phenomenal people along the way that have influenced me and obviously to become this teacher that you're talking about i have had to become a student first and i'm still a student first and foremost and um naturally you know as i learn things and i pass them on to others I've been really kind of, I guess, blessed to see that uh, here's the fear that every teacher has, right? We can do it. We've learned it. But now can others kind of do it too? Because the measure of a true success is how well your students do, not how well you do. I mean, you know, if you do it, that's one thing. But if now they can do it, that means that you've truly mastered it well enough to be able to pass it on. And I think that for me, that's been kind of a, a powerful thing for me to see. I mean, yeah, I've done lots of fun stuff. It's worked out great for me. But now I'm seeing the results in the lives of my students. And to me, that's the legacy. That's the excitement, right? That's the good part. I was going to ask you what lights you up. And clearly, that's what it is. Oh, right? definitely. Others definitely one of the big things, for sure. Well, let's... Um, actually, I'm going to back you up. I want to know... One of the things I know about you is that you have produced... And three of the top personal development movies. Yeah. I want to know what those are and... And, and kind of how we went about that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the deal is, um, you know, if we rewind my journey to the beginning of the beginning of time, I actually <laughs> uh, started with a background in film production and screenwriting. I had no idea I was ever going to get involved in personal development as a speaker or a trainer or anything like that. You know, we'll talk maybe a little bit more about kind of my full journey because that leads into the book too. But... I started interviewing some of the world's top achievers. And like I said, we'll talk about that more in a minute. But all of a sudden, um, I started seeing that there was an opportunity for these kind of movies as teaching tools. So obviously, in 2006, The Secret came out. We had films just before that, like What the Bleep Do We Know? And so forth. And so here's the deal. Background in film but I also already knew all the speakers that were in a lot of these hit films. So I decided what I wanted to do is I wanted to make something that I felt maybe answered some of the questions that were left behind. Like, again, The Secret was the great beginning to a conversation, but there were still a lot of people who wanted to keep having that conversation. So I decided I wanted to make a movie, and ours went on a very different track. Like, if you remember some of the early personal development films out there like this, they were kind of talking head movies. They would interview someone, and they would share, you know, comments that would bounce to another guy and then another guy and that's kind of how it was and so for my first film I decided I wanted to do something a little bit more uh, emotionally engaging and so I actually took a story and I had the story weave through and occasionally during the story we would cut to some of the speakers and they would then share their insights on how 
that story could be applied to your life directly. So my first film, we had Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Joe Vitale, Marcy Shimoff, uh, Morris Goodman, Bob Doyle, uh, like tons of people from The Secret, but also a handful of people that were business leaders that I interviewed, like Frank McGuire, one of the co-founders of FedEx, and Bill Bartman, who at one point was one of the 25th wealthiest men in the United States, and so on and so forth. And the kind of cool thing that happened that was kind of neat is uh, once the movie kind of came out, because now The Secret was at its peak, right? right. But once my movie came out with The Secret at its peak, uh, I had a media reviewer look at it, like a magazine look at it, and he said, it's not a secret anymore. The next step has arrived. And so right away, we're like, that's catchy. And so <laughs> wherever we went, that kind of became the feeling. And so although I'm not affiliated with the people who originally produced The, Se- the Secret, they called my first film the sequel to The Secret. And I mean, that's nice, but it is a standalone film. It does stand alone on its own. And it really talks about how to go from the vision of what you want to ultimately a workable plan and then ultimately effortless performance in your life. In fact, this idea of effortless reappears in my teachings again and again because I believe when success is true, it becomes fun, it becomes easy, it becomes something that you don't have to work hard at. So that was our first film. And then we did two other ones, which I think were really kind of neat. Now, as I mentioned, I went out and I interviewed all these world top achievers. And I found a real disconnect between a lot of the success books that were out in the market at the time and what top achievers really do. So for example, the success books that are out there, they often talk about goal setting, time management, prioritizing, you know, finding your why and your purpose. And these are all valuable things. I'm not discounting that. But when I went to the top achievers were a handful of principles that, uh, that they really understood that never made it into the success books. One of those principles was gratitude. And mm-hmm. in fact, you know, when, when we met with Oprah Winfrey and people like that, gratitude is a massive part of her life, right? And same thing with these other people, gratitude is huge. So my second movie, I decided we need to expose the principle of gratitude to the world. The second movie was called The Gratitude Experiment. And I brought people like Bob Proctor, John Gray, who did Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, uh, John Demartini from The Secret, who's one of my best friends, Marie Diamond from The Secret, you remember the Feng Shui expert, and people like that, Mary Morrissey, and so forth. And so we unfolded really what true gratitude is and how it can be used in our life. And the more that I studied it, the more that I found that gratitude is actually one of the most important principles we can have because anything it touches, it expands. You want better relationships? You have to be grateful for what you've already got. You want more money? You have to be grateful for what you already have, and so forth. So that that was the the second movie, and um, it just it just went nuts. Like literally, it uh, this is what got me all over the media. People wanted to talk to us about it. Uh, you know, it was just such an amazing thing. So that was incredible. But the one thing that I'm really known for, like uh, per- personal power mastery, is my passion. But my real, I guess, purpose is I'm really really good at making money. <laughs> you know, everyone has a talent and that's mine. In fact, I've just been recently named as the number one passive income coach in the world. So passive income is how wealth is created. We never ever will trade our time for money in a, in a significant enough way to become extremely abundant. We just don't have enough time to do that, right? And so with everyone knocking on my door, talking about how do I build more income? How do I do it passively? You know, what are the strategies that you learn from the top 400 achievers? And you know, what's made you the top number one passive income coach in the world? I mean, you've made money, but you've made other people seven and plus figures as well, passively, right? And so I said, there's our next movie. And so I decided to do a movie called The Treasure Map. 
And I brought with me, you know, again, John Martini from The Secret, Laurel Langmire from The Secret, and a handful of other really well-known wealth experts. And we basically unfold a lot of the, the basic tools on how do you start building abundance sort of from the inside out, right? Because money isn't about the resources. It starts with the resourcefulness. If we understand how to use our mind first, what do we say? If you expand who you are, you get to expand what you have. And so if we really start from the inside and understand how wealth and abundance arrives, you can gain it too. And it's, it's quite a simple process. And so this final film, this is the one that just came out. That's the one that uh, is all about money. And then I should mention, kind of interesting, we've actually started work on a fourth film right now. I just recently shot Bob Proctor for it in California there and uh, at one of his last events. And then we also shot John D. Martini already for it. And I've got a handful of other people being included as well. And it's called How Thoughts Become Things. So if you remember in The Secret, Mike Dooley says, thoughts become things. And he's very dramatic. And uh, he's a great guy, excellent teachings in the film. But it leaves us with the question of, okay, if thoughts become things, how? And so we're going to now unfold that and show not only from a neuroscience point of view how our brain really works and sorts information and chooses thoughts to be dialed into, but also on a quantum physics level and a law of attraction point of view, how these now develop into what appears in reality. And that's pretty fascinating when you start to see it. This is so fun. And I just, um, I'm making a note in my head to not go down a rabbit trail yet. (laughs) Mainly because there's, you're speaking like stuff that is just so important. It's really important stuff. So, and I get all excited about it. So I'm going to dial it down just a little bit. And I'm going to ask you to do something really basic for all of our listeners and myself as well, so that I know you and I are having a similar language. And that is, will you define personal mastery for me? Well, I think um, we need to actually include the whole phrase, and that's personal power mastery, because we specifically chose that whole title uh, in naming the book based on what I learned from the interviews of the top 400 achievers. And, you know, I don't know if you want to get a little bit of context on sort of how you do for that. I think it's important. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people don't recognize because they see right now, just like what you were talking to me about before we started, they get online and they, they take a look at what I've accomplished in my life and they figure, Oh, wow, this guy, you know, he's, you know, he shares the stage with all the biggest speakers in the business. He's got all these movies. He's on CNN, he's on Fox, all these things. What you're missing is how I started. Actually, I started really kind of with, a family that was quite broke. <laughs> my father worked in construction. My mom babysat kids in the home. Up until I was about 19, I had never ever heard of personal development. Our family's idea of work smarter was actually to work harder. <laughs> that was it. That's how we understood it. And so I wasn't you know, raised with any special privileges. And so to be honest with you, the way that it kind of unfolded is I was, uh, I took a summer job in California selling pest control. And if anybody's ever done door-to-door sales, you know that that's like just, it's not the most successful place to be. And the results that you get aren't always very evident. It's hard work and a lot of rejection. And so to be quite frank, I was very discouraged and that went on for a long period of time. I had no money. I was broke. I was going to have to leave school, in fact, and still take the student loans with me. I didn't have enough money for, you know, a place to live. I didn't have enough money even for my groceries. I remember, and this is kind of funny, is I remember going into like an Albertsons and I put down a jug of milk, a loaf of bread, and four little instant noodles. The total came up to like $4.22 and my card declined. Like it was 
devastating, right? Like I was broke. And so I literally went for about a week or two kind of mooching off other people to even get fed, right? And so I, I didn't come from this shiny, bright background that everybody thinks I do. In fact, it, it was really a tough spot. So here's the deal. I was just about to quit. I was just about to say this job, door-to-door sales, it's not working. I got to go figure something out. Maybe even pumping gas would be better than this. Like I was honestly just at my wit's end. Well, anyways, I decided I was going to quit. I was just about to go to the office and tell them that I'm done. And I guess in the nick of time, really by the skin of my teeth, I had somebody approach me and they gave me two books. And the two books were How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And the other book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Now, obviously, with How to Win Friends and Influence People, the first person I needed to learn how to be friends with was myself. I wasn't very confident. I didn't believe I could do it. I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't think I was worth it. I thought, you know, I, you know I'm going to have to just do what other people tell me for my whole life to make ends meet. And that's the way I was going to have to roll out. But when I read that book, it changed everything. And then when I got to Think and Grow Rich, which that title obviously attracted me because I was broke, I was really actually kind of, how should you say, I had a, a, just a massive sort of light bulb go on. And that light bulb really had two pieces of information. One, this stuff is powerful. What I was reading here, the way that I was thinking about things, it was wrong in the past. And if I started looking at things differently, I could do things differently. But the other big light bulb was, is Napoleon Hill gained this information by hanging out with some pretty impressive people. And you know, for your readers or listeners who don't maybe know the book, uh, Napoleon Hill wrote that book after interviewing people like Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, Andrew Carnegie, the Rockefellers, the Wright brothers, the Wrigleys, and the list goes on and on, like the who's who of his day. And so I decided as this 19-year-old, not only did I like the book, but that would be awesome to have friends who are among the top of the top historical and, and influential figures of my day. And so I, did, I set a goal right there and then. I'm going to interview some of the world's biggest people. I'm going to learn from them. They're going to mentor me. They're going to change my life. And you know, Napoleon Hill may have thought and grown rich, but I'm going to go out there and do the same But in our time, not by reading books, but by meeting with these people firsthand. So I first began by tracking down a, um, a millionaire that our family had known. You know, he was someone through our church and our community and this kind of thing. And as I started to meet with him, he began to mentor me week by week. And I'll never forget, partway into the interview, uh, you know, I impatiently expressed how I wanted to interview all these big people and big names and everything else. He says, okay, then, well, there's one question that you haven't asked me yet that's going to change everything for you. I said, okay, so what's that? And he says, you haven't asked me who else I know that you should talk to. And so I began to ask that every time. Who else do you know that I should talk to? And that began to get me introduced to some pretty amazing people. I had a chance to meet, you know, like, the, like I mentioned, the founders of FedEx, the former VPs behind, um, you know, Nike, Reebok, the Avita Group, from Disney, from, you know, uh, KFC, from, you know, I mean, you name a company, I probably interviewed their people, Fruit of the Loom, Christian Dior, Jodash Jeans, Hugo Boss, Expedia, Uber, Ugg Boots. In fact, I was just yesterday on the phone with Brian Smith, the founder of Ugg Boots. So I'm still friends with a lot of these people, Right. And then just a bunch of celebrities, everybody from Ellen DeGeneres to Kevin Costner to Robert Duvall to Oprah Winfrey to like the who's who of our of our generation. And by the way, that's one big thing that I did differently than Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill interviewed primarily business leaders. I interviewed business leaders, but also celebrities, athletes, Olympians, uh, people who were music stars, everything else. Like one of my favorite interviews that I did not too long ago was uh, the musician Seal. 
And so, you know, I, I just started including a lot of these kind of categories that Napoleon Hill never looked at. Now, here's where something really interesting happened to me. As I learned from these people and allowed them to become my influence, uh, obviously my thinking dramatically changed. My way of uh, approaching problems totally changed. And by the way, that's the one thing about that word network. We always say your network equals your net worth. And it does really in two ways. Two ways it really does. One, it's kind of like a fishing net because you're now bringing a higher quality of a person that you're associated with, but it's also a safety net. And it rises the level of problems you're able to solve. If you've got a really powerful network, you've got really access to really powerful solutions. So that made a difference. Now, kind of like I said, what happened is the inside began to change, but so did the outside. Now, remember, from a kid who could not clear $4.22 on this debit card, in six months, I went to $1.6 million, which is about $9,000 a day. And I've never looked back since. So that's kind of what led to the book, Personal Power Mastery, what led to a lot of the other things that I do. Now, we go home to your question. <laughs> Long way to get to your question, right? That's all right. I'm with you all the way. I'm yeah, tracking. So you're talking about personal power and mastery. As I interviewed the world's top achievers, that was the foundation that became the book. Now, obviously, there's principles of power within the book, but this is the beginning. The first thing that we need to do is we need to take our success personally. And it's interesting because when I'm at events, uh, like we've been doing personal power mastery as a training now for about 10 years. I've got people that have come in everything from having foreclosures, bankruptcies, terminal illness, divorces, people who've been involved in addictions, people who've had you know, uh, adultery situations where a spouse has cheated. We've had people who've lost kids to drunk drivers. We've had people who've lost family members in combat. We've had like every human catastrophe you can possibly imagine. And they want to change their situation. And this is it is that we can't change anything until we own it, right? If we give the power away to something or someone outside of ourselves, we will always remain a victim. But as soon as we own the power and recognize that we have that power, we can begin to change things. If you own it, you can change it. And you can never, ever delegate your success to someone else. You know, it's kind of almost like, you know, playing a sport. If you maintain yourself as a spectator, you can never change the game. But if you get on the field, all of a sudden there's some power that comes to you that allows you to change outcomes. So we need to get personally involved. The second word, power, is also important, and that's the capacity to take action, the capacity to act. And I think a lot of people, even though they may own it and blame themselves, they often don't also assume the responsibility to act or recognize that they can influence or change circumstances around them. We all have that power. In fact, one plus one equals two, and if you don't like two, I mean, there's two things you can do. You can either change that other person, which is maybe one of the numbers of the equation, or you can change yourself, which is the other number of the equation. So we have the power to always make equations in our life change. The last part of that is mastery, which I think is probably the most misunderstood concept on the planet. Most people think that mastery means a certain level of expertise. It means that you're a high level of understanding and that you are, quote unquote, a master. Well, the truth of the matter is, is all masters are also students, as we talked about at the very beginning of this. And there was an interview done with Pablo Picasso, you know, the painter, years and years ago. And they asked him, wow, how is it you have become such a master? And I loved his answer. He says, if you saw how hard I had to work here, you wouldn't call me master. You would say I'm persistent. And I think that that is the key. Mastery is not a level of expertise. It's a decision to not quit. It's a decision to keep going. 
And it's really kind of interesting because I do martial arts as well. Like I do competitive mixed martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is my thing. And people often ask the question, how long does it take the average person to get a black belt? And my answer to that is average people don't get black belts. You see, you have to expand beyond who you are. You have to persevere and grow beyond what you are currently in order to reach a higher level of mastery. And the cool thing about being a master, and and I'm not saying I'm a master, but I'm on my way to mastery. But the cool thing about masters is the more they understand, the more they realize they need to ask even better questions, right? That's really what mastery is. It's the development of knowing what to look for and what to ask about. And we develop in that how should we do that dimension maybe is a good word, right? That, that way. So that's a question I wanted to ask you as you were talking about um, setting an intention to go out and interview all these folks and start doing it. And then you were asked, who else should you be talking to? But I'm wondering over the evolution of the interviews, did you also start asking different questions of the people yes. as you got further into it? Oh yeah, I did. In fact, you know, what's so funny. I still remember sitting in the home of a fellow by the name of Bill Farley. Some people might know Bill Farley. Uh, Tony Robbins has talked about him quite a bit. In fact, he was instrumental in making Tony who Tony is, but who Bill Farley really was, he's a multi-billionaire, but he was one of the um, former owners of all of Fruit of the Loom underwear, uh, Christian Dior, Jordache Jean, Gitano Sportswear, California Citrus, so Anaheim Citrus Products, used to own the Chicago White Sox, was also neighbors with Oprah Winfrey. Well, anyways, I was at his home in Chicago on Lakeshore Drive, and I was talking to him, and I asked him about success. You know, tell me about what your definition of success is. And as I was sitting there talking with him, I realized I didn't have a definition of what success was. <laughs> I'm asking people all these questions about success. How do you get it? You know, and, and I don't even know what it is. Like, I've never really taken the time to investigate that. So along the whole time I was interviewing people, everything and anything began to change. And I'll be honest with you, I know this may be even embarrassing because everybody thinks I'm some kind of expert. I'm not. I just share what I already know and I'm, I'm still a student, but I'm still learning. Even as I, like, I've got one mentor that I meet um, every single Friday. Today's the day, actually. I just finished with him before coming to you. His name's Brian. He's worth about $800 million. And Brian and I meet for lunch every Friday when I'm in town. And he helps me grow my life and my business and helps me to really expand things. But it's amazing that, you know, here I am now, a couple decades after even starting those interviews with the top 400 achievers, and I'm having people reveal stuff to me that it's almost like it's the first time I've ever, I'm ever hearing this stuff, right? And so, uh, yeah, I mean, everything changes. And if it doesn't, if it stays the same, there's something you should be afraid of, actually. So now let me ask you, what is your definition of success as it is today, knowing that it will change possibly? Well, you know, I've actually got two ways of kind of looking at this. And and one of these ways comes, of course, you know, from my own life. And this definition came fairly early. I've seen other mentors kind of talk about it. And then the second one actually, I think, comes from my interactions with other people. In other words, over the last decade and a half, as I've taught personal power mastery, I've gained this, this other definition, but the two actually are very concise together. Okay. With all that beating around the bush, let me tell you the definition. The first thing about success is one, it needs to be specific and clear. What do we say that a goal that is specific and clear becomes attainable and near? And when I say that it needs to be specific and clear, that needs to be to some extent kind of measurable too. 
Now, we've heard about that smart goal-setting system, specific, measurable, all that kind of stuff. Tell you the truth, the only useful statements on that is specific and measurable. Everything else, that achievable and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't work, okay? But the specific and measurable does. So you need to know where you're going and how far you are from there. And by the way, one of the little quotes that we like to share in the training is, is you've heard that fortune cookie? No, there it is, fortune. It says, the journey to a thousand miles begins with a single footstep, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that's useless. And the reason why is because the way it should be written, if I was the fortune cookie guy writing that, it should better be written, the journey to where you want to go begins with a single footstep in the right direction. Because then you would find out that it wouldn't be a thousand miles after all. Right? In fact, most people are closer to what they really want in life than they ever believe possible. The problem is they just haven't gotten clarity around it. So that's part one on the definition. Part two actually has to do with how you feel about those things. Your feeling is actually even more important than what is specifically to be attained. Now, let me share in the words of Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, what he said. He said, most people, or many people rather, climb the ladder of success only to find that it's leaning against the wrong wall. So in other words, they can be very specific, very clear on what they want to attain, but if it's not in harmony with your feelings or values, it's absolutely worthless what you're trying to do. And I think there's a lot of people in today's society who are taking their cues on what success looks like outside themselves. In fact, I thought this is really valuable, so much so that I I already have started writing another movie to talk about this. Uh, It'll probably be our fifth movie, but it's called The Lost Message. And the lost message is this, is that we aren't getting our cues on success anymore from internally and authentically. We're getting it now from how many likes we get on Facebook, how many you know, followers we gain on Instagram, what people tell us we should be wearing, what the media says we should be doing, and blah, blah, blah. So the lost message is, is we've really lost connection with who we authentically are. And so I think that's important. So that's the first part of the definition. Now, are you ready to go deep? I'm totally ready. <laughs> Here's the second part. Now, over the last, I guess, like I said, 10 or 15 years that I've been teaching personal power mastery, we've been really observing what people set as far as goals or outcomes that they would like to attain. Again, specific and clear and their feelings. What are people asking for in this? And we've literally found that there's five categories. In fact, uh, you know, maybe I should even grab a piece of paper and show this but because it's, it's worth showing. What we have found is that there's typically five key areas. There's a star, right? There's a star. Got it. About the artwork. Five key areas that everybody has goals about. Now, by the way, I put you in the middle. You can see that, right? Okay. Nice. So the first area of goals is what we're going to call self. So I've just listed that at the top, self. Now, this can include such things as feelings of self-worth, self-confidence, self-gratification, self-fulfillment, self-realization, all these things about self. And, you know, we all have goals in that area. And oftentimes, if they're not met, we, we feel hollow, we feel empty, we feel unfulfilled, right? And so that's the first one I'm going to mention. The second one is an area which we call spirituality. Okay, so I've now written that spirituality. You'll see that on the second pillar. Okay, now spirituality doesn't necessarily mean religion. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean a specific faith, but it really does mean is a connection to things of spirit. You know, so in other words, if you are living a life where you ethically know a certain level of doing, but you're not doing, there's going to be a, a separation there, and you're going to need to have that congruency eventually fall into alignment, or you're going to feel very unbalanced and unfulfilled. I'll talk more about that in a second. The third one is what we call health. Okay, now oftentimes that manifests itself in terms of uh, on the surface, you'll hear people say, oh, "I want to, you know, lose some weight. I want to eat better. I want to stop smoking. I want to do this or that or the other with health." 
Now, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but the thing that I think is also important is even those that are terminal ill definitely have goals in that area, okay? And I've even had people who, you know, are confined to a wheelchair or other things that have goals. Uh, maybe it's not to run a marathon, but they have these goals still in the health area. So very important. The next one is the area which we call relationships. Okay, so relationships is right there in the corner. Okay, now the interesting thing about relationships is this doesn't just mean a husband and wife, like with a spouse. It doesn't also just mean between you and your kids or siblings or parents or immediate relatives, but it's relationships in all aspects around you, your community, your network, your business relationships, your friends, your associations, all of these. And obviously, we already know that there are some family relationships that are not even as close as some friendships. So the dynamic of relationship is always kind of different. Now, the last one is what we call abundance. I hope you can read my writing on there. Abundance is what I put over there. You can see all of these stars. Now, the interesting thing is when you talk with most people about their goals and what they want to have, they start telling you what they want to have and what they want to do, which are really kind of these quadrants, right? People say, I want to have a nice house. I want to have a nice car. I want to have this and that. I want to have the perfect maid or the perfect marriage or the perfect this or that or health. I want to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. But they miss the other ones. So this idea of starting with, do and have never really works. The problem with most people is they neglect this idea of being. Be, do, then have. That's really how life works. In fact, my wife said it this way, and I think this is great. She's like a total genius. She said, you've heard the saying that says, actions speak louder than words, but being speaks louder even than actions. I think that's really important. In fact, there's another great book by another Covey, Stephen M. R. Covey, Stephen Covey's son, The Speed of Trust, where he talks about that often, you know, people who be the right things, like if you start with the right place of being, even if you make a mistake with something that you do, you've got enough, enough trust because those that know you and know who you are are often willing to forgive some of the things that you do that are maybe not perfect right? And now here's where this gets really interesting, why a lot of people have challenges in life with you in the middle. Instead of going through this order, the sequence of self, spiritual health, etc., they often say, for example, with a relationship, they say, I want to go straight to the relationship, and they don't do the work on themselves, right? And so we see people who in the dating phase, to impress the other person, they become something that they're not. And they hold up this fallacy. And so two or three years into the relationship, maybe even after they've been married, it gets discovered who they really are. And they can't maintain the facade anymore. And the relationship falls apart. We've also seen the same thing when it comes to abundance. You know, somebody who doesn't want to pay the price under these other areas, and they'll run right to get the money quick, right? And you've heard it said that nice guys don't finish last. But those that rush through without becoming the nice guy actually never get to play again. So they may do it once but they never come back. That's why it's good to be a nice guy that finishes last, but you get to come back again and again and again. And so all of these are important. What we've kind of found, back to this idea of a definition of success, it's finding an appropriate balance behind these, behind all of them, not just one, so that you've got yourself figured out. Then you can obviously live in a spiritual way. What do they say? That 
you, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. So you get that sorted out. And then when you've got those things connected and you feel good about yourself and your spirituality, obviously your health, it's easier to maintain because you now have a purpose and a reason for doing that. When your health is maintained, obviously that affects your interaction and your energies that get transferred and connect with other people outside yourself. And if you look carefully at all abundance, all abundance is a transaction between you and another person. So if you don't know how to figure out your relationships, you're going to be very limited in the forms of abundance you can create because you'll never, ever connect with someone in a way to have synergy, which also brings me to kind of another idea. When we're talking to this idea about relationships and abundance, I, I love having the paper here. It's really helpful. But you can see that we've got a circle here. And I'm going to say that, that circle represents your passion and your purpose. And it's so interesting that many people, when they're starting to kind of grow wealth and abundance in their life, and they meet with different gurus, and they're trying to find fulfillment, they say, you got to find your passion. you got to find your purpose, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that that's part of the equation. If you're trying to do that by yourself and just find what you love and what's meaningful to you, you're always going to be unfulfilled. The reason why is because we are human beings and our passion and our purpose only become real and powerful to us when they become validated by overlapping them with the passion and purpose of others. As we find those, what do they say? When you find your vibe, you'll find your tribe. As soon as you start finding that overlap, that's exactly where all wealth is, where all abundance is, where all fulfillment is. People will validate who you are and they'll recognize you for the, the wisdom and the expertise and the contributions that you bring because you're all intertwined. The problem is, I think, that we all try to please too many people or we don't try to please enough at all and we try to please just ourselves. So we All right. Take a breath because I have a whole bunch of stuff for you and I'm not going to ask you everything that comes to mind. <laughs> I'm not. But one of the things I wanted to say, and first of all, I'm going to tell the listeners that I really do want you to check on the hyperlinks that we put in this podcast, because if you go to Doug's page, there is really great resources there, posts, videos, all of that. But one of the recent posts that Doug did, and I was telling him before we went live that I really liked was this post on a list of things that are expensive. So, and this came from one of his questions um, and a conversation he had. And there were a few things that came out of that, that first of all, I resonated with what you wrote, Doug, but there were a couple of things that really came out of it for me that I thought, boy, those are expensive. And one is the excuses, low, low personal standards, not just low standards. It's easy to set standards for other people, but it's really having low personal standards that whole procrastination piece. Um, and then the you already spoke to about the lack of clarity, right? Really needing to yeah. know all of that. So I'm not going to ask you to back up on that. But then also the um, being around poor influencers. And you may have yeah. talked about that a little bit from your interview list, but if you could kind of expand a little more on those and why those are expensive. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, where do we start? And, and, and here's the other thing too is that, they're not all going to cost you the same, but they're all going to cost you. And quite frankly, there's a positive and a negative on every one of these. So where something is expensive, like an excuse, taking away excuses and making less excuses is actually a form of a reward. Like you will find value in that. So there's obviously the opposite side of that. Now, excuses, if you think about it, what they really are is they're giving yourself permission to deny yourself from something that you know you should do. And I didn't mention this in the article, but the truth of the matter is, is 
when it's something we don't want to do, we generally don't need an excuse. If it's something that we know will hurt us or will not serve us, we generally don't need an excuse. We just don't do it. We are not interested. But when it is something that we kind of know we need to do, notice I use the word need, and it's something that we know will help us, that's when we make excuses because we have to justify why we excuse ourselves from something that we know would be good for us. Now, here's the funny thing of this whole thing. When I started teaching, uh, you know, again, like I said, almost a decade and a half ago, I started recording excuses that I heard that to me were kind of funny things that people would say, you know, kind of like the teacher probably hears this, my dog ate the homework kind of thing. And so I started listing all the excuses that I could find. And now I have close to about 2000, maybe a little bit more excuses that people have given me over time. Now, remember I said one of the things that I do is I'm the number one passive income coach. So I teach people how to make money. It's a proven system. I've done it for hundreds and maybe even thousands of people. I do it for myself. We've generated millions of dollars. But I still have people who say, eh, not for me. And then I've written down their excuse. And I've seen like some hilarious ones. Like if I were to, to read you some from this list, I've got everything from a lady who had a hair appointment. It was just you know, that, that was important to her to people who basically couldn't find their phone or like, I mean, just like stupid excuses, right? But we've got to recognize that whenever we are faced with an excuse, we're making a trade. We are choosing to give that foolish excuse over accepting what could be our new reality, right? Now, you talked about something else earlier before we started, which I think is very akin to excuses, but most people don't connect it. Here's the deal is we also look at excuses and why do we make excuses? It's often because we second guess something, right? And so alongside of excuses, one of the things that costs us a ton of money is our ego, right? Our ego is one of the most expensive things that we can ever have that separates us because we think we know better than a possibility for us. Now, let me share kind of how I learned that personally, because that was really funny. And I'm so glad that I was humble enough to, to listen, but when I was probably about 19 or so, I had a, a couple of mentors. One of them was a multi-billionaire, like with a B, okay? So he had done a couple of times billion. And so uh, I took with me, uh, you know, my notebook with him, you know, to come and see him. I took a book with me and I had all my business plan written in it and I was hoping that he would help me. And so as I passed him the business plan here to look over, he started looking through and he stopped at one place. He goes, you know what? I wouldn't do this. There's a better way to do it. And so my ego kicked in and I started saying, no, 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 no. This is why I'm doing it. And I tried to explain to a billionaire why I was doing this a certain way. Well, he kind of rolled his eyes and said, okay, well, I'll let you keep that. And he kept reading. They found another thing. He goes, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do this. There's an easier way. We can show you. It was like, no, 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 no. I stopped again. Listen to my idea. This is my ego talking. This is why I'm doing it this way. Well, again, he kind of rolled his eyes again and said, all right, well, okay. Then he continued, and of course, he found another one to help me with. And what did I do? No, 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 right? Finally, he, maybe in frustration, stopped and said, listen, you can be right or you can be rich. You cannot be both. He says, I'll tell you, if you choose to be right, if you choose to follow your ego, you get to keep everything you've already created. You get to stay exactly the same as you are. But if you want to be rich, that means you're going to have to be teachable. And then he began to explain that our report cards are actually found in our bank statements. Mine's a better grade than yours. And I was like, I couldn't dispute that. So I shut up and started to listen. Then he explained this. and I thought this was so funny. He goes, 
there's two kinds of people in this world. He said, they're stupid people. And he said, don't be offended. There really are. And you'll see what I mean. And he said, and there's tenacious people. He said, a stupid person is someone who goes into a room and he wants to get into the next room. And what he'll do is stand in one spot and bang his head again and again and again in the same spot. That's pretty stupid. And he'll just keep banging it again and again and again. He keeps repeating the same things that he always does. He says, a tenacious person is someone who might bang his head once and realize that didn't work. And then he'll move over and he'll try a new spot. And then he'll move over and try a new spot. And if someone comes in and says, buddy, there's a door over here or a window you could go through or something, they will listen. So the difference between a stupid person and a tenacious person, stupid, not teachable. Tenacious, always looking for a better way. And they don't care who it comes from. And so that, to me, was one of the most profound things. So if we're talking about the most expensive things in the world, you know, I think probably one of the most expensive is to be unteachable or don't let yourself get taught by someone who doesn't know. See, sometimes stupid people gather together in a herd (laughs) and they bang their head all together in the same spot. And then they congratulate each other that they are still having no success, right? So never ever take advice from someone more broke than you. Never take advice from someone who's lower than you or has not yourself or your interest at stake that they're more interested in themselves. Look for people who are on higher ground. Right, that's where we want to gain our our knowledge from. So I, I found that to be very useful for me. I want to say I really liked that, and it, you didn't go into that level of detail in your blog post, but you did talk mm. about those essences, and I think that's really good for all of us. Yeah. And I will speak for myself, but I actually do think that whole piece of being able to look, and oftentimes people will give you information, and if you're not listening or looking for it, you can discount it as not being valuable or applicable to you. Yeah. So, which is ego as well. It's like, oh, well, that person, how could they possibly know? Instead of going, they might actually know. Yeah. You might have yeah. the key. Yeah. So um, as we start to wrap this, I want you to talk, please, a little more about your book, where people can find it, how you hope they use it, Yeah. Well, we've written it specifically to be used. It's not a book really to be read. It's to be used. And when you grab the book, you'll see that it actually has very specific exercises and questions in it that will help you expand. Now, it's not one of those books where it's all fill in the blank kind of stuff. Um, We've all seen those kind of books. They're okay, but this is not what this book is. This book actually has some really solid information solid stories about things that I learned directly firsthand from the world's top achievers. And then it has questions for you to ask yourself. So after you've heard a story, kind of like what I've just shared, one of these stories, there's now a series of questions on how will you apply this in your life? How will it fit directly into what you're doing? You see, I believe there's three kinds of learning, emotive learning. We all learn emotionally. We like stories and these kinds of things. That's wonderful. Procedural learning here, do this. And that's wonderful too. But the strongest kind of learning is what we call implementational learning. And that's how do we really bring it now into our life? You know, my goal is this to see people change, whether it's in our wealth programs or personal power mastery. I want you to be different by the time you're done this so that you can have what you need. Again, to have more, we must become more. We have to, you know, increase or expand in order to receive more. Average people never get extraordinary results. So you need to find a way to reach to that level. So the book is is powerful in that way. It will help you tap into your highest values, the things that you really want. And as spoken earlier, I think that a lot of people uh, need clarity in finding that. You know, we often get that from the outside, not from the inside. And that's why we are also missing a lot of our own, not only personal power, but our happiness. So where can people get it? 
I know that at all major booksellers, it can be ordered or it's on their shelves. So like Barnes and Noble and in Canada, Chapters Indigo and Waterstones in the UK, it can be found in all those stores or ordered there, or you can just go directly online and get it on Amazon and they've got it there. Um, something else that might be useful, pick up the book for sure. Grab it. You're going to find it. It's a very powerful resource for you, but we also have a lot of free resources as well that will allow you to, to just see if this is information that's going to serve you. And so I invite you to head to any of our social media or YouTube, or if you want to find it all in one spot, just head over to personalpowermastery.co, personalpowermastery.co, and that will allow you to kind of continue the journey with us. And uh, like I said, you're going to love the book, but if you're not quite ready to go out and buy a book yet, and you still want to kind of learn a little bit about what we're doing, Lots of free resources, lots of materials there that'll help you to expand who you are and really start seeing changes take place in your life. So my last question for you for today, I'm just saying for today, is that, <laughs> uh, I know better than to say this door's not going to open again. And I'm really excited about your other movies coming out. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's it's already fun listening to you describe them and kind of where you're going with them. But I'm thinking about you as that 19-year-old kid with college debt out there doing door-to-door sales. And if you could talk to him before he started that job, hours before or whatever, what piece of advice might you give him that might, that just what piece of advice might you give him knowing what you know today? Well, you know, it's really interesting because I've had people say, well, if I could go back to like the second grade and tell myself all these answers and everything, then uh, I could be, you know, totally on top of the game. I'd be a bazillionaire by the time I got to the 10th grade, right? Well, the truth of the matter is, is obviously we don't have that option. And in some ways, I'm kind of grateful for that because if I were to go back and talk to even a grade two version of myself, I think I would overwhelm myself, (laughs) right? I wouldn't be able to apply those things because I had not yet expanded into that understanding. So as you ask that question, the first thought that came to my mind was something that um, Brian Smith, the founder of Ugg Boots, told me once. He said, don't be too quick to be a frog. Enjoy your time as a tadpole. And so I think that that's really good wisdom that as the 19-year-old knocking on doors, I would say there's some great things coming. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose hope. But I'm not going to tell you what they are. They'll unfold as they need to. And there's a Chinese saying that says, you'll never get a flower growing quicker by pulling on it. And I think most of us damage the stuff in our life because we're trying too, too fast to live in the future rather than to live in the present. And we miss a lot of the moments. And I'm going to suggest the joy and the happiness that exists here now. And, and I'm, I'm just calling it like it is that I even know that some of the entrepreneurs that we work with are workaholics. And especially in this Christmas season, and I don't know when you're airing this, but we're about to head into Christmas. So many of them are going to be sitting there on their phone trying to get work done while the kids are unwrapping presents and families are eating dinner and parties are going on. Stop, put it away, create some memories, create some things that you're really going to enjoy. And you can get the other stuff organized later. Enjoy the moment now. That's really important. And don't run faster than you have strength. Sometimes when we try to do stuff that we're not ready for, we fail at it anyways. So it's okay to slow things down and do it correctly. I think that's important. Well, that's what I'm taking away from the end of it. I've taken away quite a bit so far. But I want to thank you so much for making time, for spending time with us, and for sharing your wisdom. And mostly for sharing your enthusiasm and love of helping to lift others up as well. Well, thank you. We have a lot of fun, and I look forward to continuing to do that. 
Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you liked what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.